0: Well last week Asher Friedman read from Micah chapter 5 as his family lit the advent candle and after meditating just a little bit I'm like, "Huh, maybe I should preach on that next Sunday." And so, so here we are. Now some of you are probably thinking, you know, I, we've been going through Isaiah, why don't you just stay there? You know, we got you know, Isaiah 9 and you know, Isaiah 7, but um know this, I, Isaiah and Micah, they were contemporaries, right? You know, most Most likely, they they met on every Monday at Starbucks to mutually encourage one another in the difficulty of their ministry. Hey, Isaiah, no one is listening to me. (laughs) Yeah, I know, Micah. Me neither. Today's passage foretells of the birth of God's Messiah, the Shepherd King. And he's born in the littlest of all places, insignificant Little Bethlehem. Micah wants God's people to find their peace in the only place God's people can find their peace in the little places. Before I read, I want you to think through, where is it that you tend to go to find peace in life? What are your go-tos? Micah chapter 5, verse 1, reading through the first part of verse 5. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. and he shall be their peace. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for this word. Eighth century B.C. words that are so true and so important for us today. They point us to the birthplace of our Messiah, and therefore they point us to our Messiah, our Shepherd, our King Jesus, the one from whom peace comes. Help us to understand that all the more today, we pray. Amen. How many of you, if you would have lived in Jesus' day, would have received him with peace Joy and devotion, you would have followed that bright star in the sky on a faithful whim. You would have been there in Bethlehem. How many?
1: Most likely, none. Most of us are Gentiles, not even Jewish. (laughs) And if you
0: consider who it was that followed the star, it it was the shepherds, insignificant little people, not the ones who should have been there. Jesus' birth and his life were about seemingly little things, little places, little people. When the Son of God took on human flesh, Joseph didn't book a room in the Ritz-Carlton, Jerusalem. No, when the peace of God was born, it was in a stench-filled stable in a little backwater town of Bethlehem. The only people who showed up were the outcast shepherds, Later, some wise men would arrive, but they were were foreigners. The people who should have been there, the religious leaders who knew their Bibles well, were nowhere to be found. This tells us something important. Listen, let this truth and understanding ring deep in you. God's way for you to find his peace on earth is in the seemingly little places, the little things, little people. That is what Micah shows us in verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. It's true, Bethlehem was way too little, even to be mentioned. There's a number of different places in the Old Testament that list out dozens and dozens of cities in Judah, but not Bethlehem. Not just too little in size, but... Importance as well. But from this two little town, God brings forth someone spectacular. Look at the rest of verse two. From you, two little town of Bethlehem, shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The shepherd of God, the Messiah, King of God, will come but he'll come from that no stoplight, no stop sign, one horse town of Bethlehem. And so what God is trying to say to you today is this, the most insignificant place will bring forth the most preeminent person. The son of God who alone shall bring peace to this world that the world is longing for comes from the littlest of places. Now, why is this point crucial to us? today because we tend to look for peace for happiness contentment and status in the big things we long for peace in the extravagant vacation to come and we attach our lives to in our coming happiness to this vacation you've all done this right But then when the vacation comes, the the plane is canceled and they've lost your luggage, and you come down with a cold and the weather is horrible. And then when you finally get there and then you finally come back, there's this large credit card bill in the mail. Or we're quite certain that when we find that perfect soulmate, then our souls will be at rest. And you marry him or her, but then neither of you turn out to be the people you thought a couple years of change would bring about. And peace never really comes. Or the career we tend to attach so much of our lives to, surely my degree will be put to wonderful use, just watch me. But then that Dolly Parton song rings in your ears, working nine to five, what a way to make a living, barely getting by.
1: It's all taken and no given. I'll let you finish the rest of it. Listen, let this think in, especially if you're younger here today. In our world today, no matter
0: what big, shiny things we attach our lives to for lasting peace and happiness, we are always
1: Let down. Always let down. Now, in our heads, we Christians, we know this,
0: right? But sadly, in our fallen human nature, it just keeps whispering in our ears, right? Yes, God is good, and one day he will bring this peace and fill the earth with it. But for now, wouldn't that job change just really make me happy? And so we can foolishly want to to take our peace and our happiness into our own hands and fight for it,
1: bring it about. Know this, that was a problem in Micah's day, in Isaiah's day. And so God gave them and he gave us his word. Why?
0: So that we would reorient ourselves so that we would come to the greater understanding and therefore find our peace where it can only be found in the littlest of places. That's the big main point today. The peace of God we long for springs forth from little places. We will look at that under four headings. First, the humiliation of God, then the work of God, the community of God, and the shepherd king of God first the humiliation of god the big idea here is this listen unless god humbles you you will not be able to find his peace why is this A number of reasons one the big amazing gifts from god are in seemingly little packages listen let this encourage you and also challenge you the gospel The good news that God has given to this world, that he has sent his son, it's it's just such a simple little message. But not so in other religions. Take, for example, Buddhism. I studied this in, in college. I thought Buddhism was just so wonderful. Buddhism requires so much advanced training. Kids can't do it. There are the four noble truths. And then you have to commit to this Formidable, impossible, eightfold path to follow in life. But the message of Christ, the gospel is so little, so simple, even a little child can understand it and receive it. See, in the gospel, God does all the work. He sent His Son to live for you, to die for you, to rise for you. All you need to do is what? Simply believe this little gospel. And then God's gift opens up for you. Problem is what? We're too proud. What are you saying? I'm a sinner, not me. My mother-in-law, (laughs) S-I-N-N-E-R. She needs salvation, but not me. I'm pretty good compared to other people. And Christians, we can lose track of this too. We, We clean ourselves up a bit and we start believing our own press releases. And we seek our happiness not in Christ, in His simple little gospel, but we still we turn to those big, shiny objects that the world offers us, and we cling to them. This was the problem in Micah's day, in Isaiah's day. God was there, but only to fill in the gaps. God was the backup plan. If, there, if things turn out and my plans don't work out, well, then God will rescue me. And so God says his people have turned from him, and he humbles them by bringing another nation, Assyria, to attack them. And then later, the nation of Babylon, he sends them into exile for 70 years. That is what verse 1 describes. Now, muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod, they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. Siege is coming, says Micah, and of course it did. The king of Israel, who's also called the judge here in this passage, is is struck on the cheek. Now, in the ancient Near East, to strike someone on the cheek was an act of humiliation. You guys remember when George W. Bush was president and he went to Iraq and he had that big press conference and some Iraqi in the crowd takes off his sandal and like threw it at him, trying to hit him in the face? Well... That was meant as a humiliating gesture in Iraq, that to strike someone with your sandal is to humiliate them. That's what Micah describes. The king of Israel has failed God and he's failed God's people so badly, not just Hezekiah, but all the previous ones, that now the entire nation is going to suffer humiliation. But listen, humiliation is a good thing Listen, without being humbled by God, no one will find the peace of God in this simple little gospel of God. Think of all the things you tend to drop on the floor. Like at my party last night, there was a lot of food dropping on the floor. No one's like going, I'm going to pick it up. They're just like, eh, most likely the dog's going to get it. You know what I mean? Gus and Augie, they, they had a field day last
1: night. Thank you. <laughs> But what if a diamond falls out of its setting? Will you not humble yourself
0: no matter what, no matter where you are? If you were in a pigsty, would you not get on all fours still and look for this diamond till you found it? You know, today, billions of people reject Christ and the true meaning of Christmas because they're too proud to stoop low to take and look at the little things of God.
1: I majored in philosophy. you got to bring it up to my level. Maybe that's you here today. If so, do you know the best thing that could ever happen to you?
0: Humiliation. God allowing the circumstances in your life to strip away all of your go-to saviors so that you find yourself humbled on the ground with new eyes and a spiritual hunger, a hunger for mercy and grace and peace which only God can give. Then and only then will you notice the simple little baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in the the manger. What you will see in Christ Jesus, listen, is God
1: himself coming down, listen, to the lowest levels for you. The
0: little gospel says that God's son became little for you and it's there that you find lasting peace. That's the humiliation of God now for the work of God. Micah, the big idea here is Micah shows us God's plans. And what we see is the biggest of God's plans coming in the littlest of places. My first subpoint has the title The Importance of a Big Butt. <laughs> it's butt with one T.
1: All right. Right. (laughs) The word but, coming from Micah's writings, reverses everything.
0: Though the people of God have for generations failed to love God and to honor God, and though all the kings of Israel over all the years have failed to live out their calling, to rule with faith and trust and love for God, I know the Assyrians are at our gates, but we trust
1: in the Lord. No. Hey, Egypt, send us some chariots. Though the people and its king will be brought low, God says, but.
0: God says he has a king to come who will bring God's peace to his people, who will be like unlike any other king God's people have had before. And he will not come where you expect. He is not from Jerusalem, the mighty capital, the city of David and all of its kings. No, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Ephrathah is is the district within which Bethlehem is. Ephrathah means fruitful, and oh, will she be fruitful. Bethlehem is nine kilometers, six miles south of the great Jerusalem. Today would be like Manhattan. Oh, but no, the Messiah is born in Newark, (laughs) or Jersey City. Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans, too insignificant to even be counted, but but the one who is to be the ruler in Israel, God's Messiah, his shepherd king, he will be born there. And where all, all of the kings before him, except for David, were failures, and even David was a failure who needed God's grace, King Jesus will rule for God in perfection. This lineage all the way back to David is important. Uh, Micah says in verse 2 that this ruler to come forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Now, this isn't referring to the title, the ancient of days here. No, the phrase from old, from ancient of days, points back hundreds of years to King David and God's promise to David. See, God declared that from David onward, all the kings, all of his kings on earth would not just be from the tribe of Judah, but would be from King David's family line, from his blood. It's like it is in England today. And so all the kings after Saul were descendants of King David, from David to Solomon on, on, on down to Hezekiah in, in Micah's day. They were all in this royal lineage. And when you read in the Gospel of Matthew, how does it open up in chapter 1? It gives us the, the family tree of Jesus, starting with Abraham on down to David, and then David on down to Joseph and Jesus. And that's to show us that Jesus, born in this backwater town,
1: had king's blood, royal blood, coursing through his veins, And just as
0: King David was the man of God after God's own heart who followed the failure of King Saul, so too, in a far greater way, Jesus would follow all the failed kings of Israel and succeed where they failed. Micah is telling us that this Messiah to come will have the finest of royal blood flowing through his veins. And when Jesus spilt out his blood, when it came out of his body onto the ground from the cross, that was divine, royal blood spilt for you and me. The true son of David, the promised king of God, was born in the littlest of all places, too little even, Bethlehem, Ephothra. That's the humiliation of God, the work of God, now for the community of God. And the big idea here is this. Peace, the peace on earth that the world longs for is found in God's little community. So the flow of our passage so far is this. The necessarily, necessary humiliation of God is coming, but there is hope. The Messiah, the shepherd God, will Will come. That's verses 1 and 2. And now in, in Micah 3, it describes the waiting. It was a long waiting and it had a big reward. It, he describes the waiting how? Remember, it's in your text. It, it's like childbirth. For months, the pains increase. And then the day of labor comes and the pain really increases. It's off the charts. Sorry, Nate Burns. I think it's worse than your dislocated <laughs> shoulder. But that was painful, I was there. I saw the whole thing. Yeah, 10 hours of pain. All right, there we go. That's what we see in verse three. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brother shall return to the people of Israel. Now, in one sense, understand this, this she who is in birth is the nation. Not Mary. The nation labored in pain for hundreds of years. You know, eventually they came out of exile. King Cyrus of Persia. Remember, he says, "What? What? You're from Jerusalem. You had a temple. It was taken. Here's some money. Here's some lumber. Go back, fix it up. Fix up that temple. Go back to being the people of God." You know what? Things were never like they were before. The people were so broken because of their captivity, they never returned to being the people of any stature that they had before in the temple. Not even close
1: to what the original temple was like. On top of that, the Spirit of God was not present there.
0: Plus, the nation of Israel continued to be stepped upon the Greeks, and then the Romans. Talk about years and years of labor pain. But then a child truly was born in Bethlehem of all places to an unlikely woman, Mary, just as the angel promised. And she named him Jesus,
1: which means God saves. What a great name. But the people of God, including
0: King, King Herod rejected the boy when he was born. And when he had grown up, they rejected him then too. For three years, Jesus preached of his kingdom. That is, it has come, it's here, join it. But he was rejected by the very people he came to save. At his arrest, remember what they did? They mocked him and they put on purple clothing. Why? Purple is royal <laughs> Royal garments, (laughs) ha ha, king, you think you're a king? And then remember the, the little sign above his head, what did it say?
1: The king of the Jews.
0: It was a mocking voice, right?
1: That one little sign, oh so true. Micah says that the
0: result of the Messiah being born is that The rest of his brothers shall return to the people of God. This Messiah, Shepherd King, would gather in a faithful remnant. Most would not trust
1: in Christ, but a few would. And this eventually came to pass.
0: At first, those who believed in Christ, think about it. They were so little in number. Three years he walked the earth ministering, saying, follow me, come to me, take up your cross. And then Jesus died and rose from the grave, and then 50 days later, remember Pentecost? Prior to Pentecost, the disciples were gathered. All of these people that came to Christ in those three years were gathered in the upper room, and you know how many there were?
1: 10,000, nope. 4,000, nope. One hundred and twenty. One twenty. Most of us say you can't start
0: much with one twenty. World change, you need more than that. One twenty? Too little. Three hard years of ministry, Jesus gathered a community, his church. It was little. It was puny. If you would have seen them, you would have thought, no way is this little group of misfits from the dregs of society going to change the world for God's glory. No way. Most likely you would have said what they said. Remember what they said? Surely you are drunk on wine. (laughs) But that's what happened. This tiny 120-person church has
1: now spread to the ends of the earth, to you and to me which leads to our final point, the shepherd king of God. The big idea here is this. Listen, God's peace for his people continues to be from
0: an unlikely source, a shepherd who is also king. That's what our final verses tell us, verses four in the first part of five. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty, that's the kingliness, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And listen, and they, us, shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of
1: the earth, and he shall be their peace. In Jesus' day, don't go near the shepherd. You might be thankful for what they do, but don't go near
0: when they're ceremonially unclean due to the nature of their work. But what Jesus shows us is a different kind of shepherd. He willingly drew near to unclean people. Think of lepers. Think of that woman with the menstrual flow who came forward, just barely touched his garment and was healed. Think of Mary Magdalene. Think of the fishermen and the tax collectors, the demon-possessed men and women.
1: He even touched the unclean dead and raised them to new life. You know, Micah tells us what we already know as Christians today because we've read the Gospels, that,
0: this, that Jesus is this divine Messiah, King, Shepherd, and that he is the what? Good Shepherd, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and what? My sheep know my voice. And then he says, I am the good shepherd.
1: I lay down my life for the sheep. Please, my friends, look look all the way back at those now ancient, ancient words of Micah from the
0: 8th century B.C. and know that these words are true. God didn't promise us a shepherd and then give us something different, like a taxidermist, (laughs) you know? No, God promised a good shepherd, and in Christ Jesus, he has given us a good shepherd. Why? Because we experience the peace of God through this shepherd king. See, a good shepherd knows his sheep, does he not? A good shepherd watches over his sheep. He protects his sheep from attack. He, he leads his sheep to green pastures and still waters. And a good shepherd even disciplines his wayward sheep. And what is the result when a good shepherd cares for his flock in this way? Peace. Sheep are normally anxious animals. There's like hardly any more anxious animal on earth. The slightest abnormal event will send them into a frenzy of worry. So to us, we just don't like to admit it. Which is why Micah's words must set us at ease. Micah writes, and they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and he shall be their peace in John chapter 14 Jesus tells his disciples that he's going back to the father that he's leaving them and they just spaz out right they're like oh my god right, show us the father where are you going how do we get there what are you doing like they just, just like sheep went into a frenzy go read it all right that's your assignment Just like sheep, the disciples were agitated. But Jesus tells them, no, 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 calm down. This is a good thing. It's good that I'm leaving. If I don't leave, the the promised Holy Spirit won't come upon you. Plus, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. Get excited. The kingdom has come, and, and you get to lead it. And then he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. My friends, Jesus gives us a different kind of peace than what the world offers us. The world says, find your peace in the big things here on earth. And Jesus said, I created the earth. (laughs)
1: To most people on earth, Jesus' offer of peace is little and seemingly
0: undesirable. Why is this? Well, think it's through. It's really quite amazing. There are a lot of things about the peace that Jesus gives you, and one of them is this. The peace that Jesus gives you is an in spite of peace. The world says find your peace in your successful career, Listen, the peace of Christ comes to you in spite of a failed career. The world says, find your peace in relationships, and the peace of Christ comes to you in spite of failed relationships. The world says, find your peace in financial security, then the peace of Christ comes to you in spite of your financial failure. The fact that Jesus gives us a peace that is in, an in spite of peace is significant, right? Why? Because it means that His peace transcends all of the shortcomings of this earth. And so His peace is the only peace you can count on.
1: There's a, s- a second thing to think through. And here it is The peace of God is not a thing. The peace of God does not
0: come as he gives you a car, or a new career, or a bank account, all good things. The peace of God is uh, not a given to us in a, a marriage or a trip to exotic places. Anybody going anyplace fun over the break? I don't know. Listen, be clear on this. The peace of God is a person, not a thing, not even big things but a person, a little person, by the world's estimation. Verse 5 makes it clear.
1: And he, he shall be their peace. You know, the world offers you big things,
0: big experiences for peace. But God gives you his son, the prince of peace, the peace that your soul
1: thirsts for. It cannot come from things of this world. It cannot. It only comes when this Messiah, Shepherd King, starts to shepherd your life. So let's think it's through. Some of you here have yet to trust in Christ.
0: I ask you to consider God's offer of peace. And stop thinking that the peace that God offers you is like a little peace, a useless peace, a peace full of
1: compromises.
0: (laughs) And see that you're too proud to admit that you need Christ. And just give your life to him right now. I know it seems like the weirdest thing, but just do it. With your mind, bow your knee to
1: Christ. Admit that you need him and receive him. Others here, most of us, my guess is, you
0: know, we've trusted in Christ. But we need this passage from Micah to remind us that the peace of God that we long for springs forth from the littlest of places.
1: And so as we approach the Lord's Supper, let's delight in this truth. May we lay hold of this beautiful truth all the more this Advent season. Let's pray. Father, we're a people
0: with big eyes looking for big things to come our way. And so it's no surprise that we miss the most significant things that come in little packages. We confess that this is kind of how we're wired. We also confess that, that Jesus is our peace. We find our peace in him, And that changes everything. No matter what comes our way, our peace is there. And it's not a thing, it's a person. We praise you for this reality.
1: You are a good, good God who loves us much. Amen. Amen.